Hi, I'm Cheryl, and I'm a mom, coach, domestic abuse survivor, and host of the Healthy Mom After Divorce podcast, where I help moms survive their high-conflict divorce and develop safe, healthy, and sustainable co-parenting strategies. I know it feels scary, but with the right tools, mindset, and education, you can do this. It may not be easy, but there is light at the end of that tunnel. So let's take that next step together and get this episode started. Hey, Healthy Mamas, welcome to this 37th episode of the Healthy Mom After Divorce podcast. My name is Cheryl, and I appreciate the time you've taken to listen today. So a few housekeeping items to start. First, everything shared on this podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be taken as mental health advice or legal advice. Please contact a mental health professional or legal professional for specific questions related to your situation. Second, and as always, you can find the full transcript for this episode at healthymomafterdivorce.com slash 37. Finally, I am always looking for new topics for what to discuss on this podcast, so I'm putting it out to my listeners. If you have a question or a specific topic you'd like to hear more about, please send me an email at Cheryl at HealthyMomAfterDivorce.com. Of course, I will not share any of your information. Everything will always be totally anonymous. So please, if you'd like me to address something that's on your mind, reach out and maybe I'll do an episode on it. Now that all that's out of the way, on with today's episode. So I learned a new term last week, which I always love. I am instantly intrigued whenever I hear something I haven't heard of before, especially in the psychology and human behavior space. I was having a conversation with someone and I was sharing with this person that I've noticed many people in the divorce space, particularly in the high conflict divorce and domestic abuse space, really get stuck on repetitive thoughts around fairness. I hear over and over people saying various iterations of, but it's not fair when talking about what they or their kids are going through. Now, I understand this feeling. As humans, when we feel wronged, mistreated, and abused, it doesn't feel fair, does it? We don't feel like we deserved what happened to us. And if the person who has wronged us can continue to do so, like we see with post-separation abuse and domestic abuse by proxy, without consequence, which is so often the case, that sense of not fair gets even stronger. The issue with this feeling of not fair, though, is it keeps us stuck in a loop, spiraling on the same things over and over again. And if we're in a loop, we aren't moving forward and likely not healing, at least not very quickly. You may have noticed this in yourself, or even if you're talking to someone else about things they feel aren't going well in their life, whether it's a difficult divorce and high-conflict co-parent or something else. And every time you try to comfort them, you're met with, I just don't get it. How can someone do this to their kids? It's not fair, that kind of language. And although it's understandable, I think we can agree it's also exhausting. Anyway, back to my story. So I was sharing this uh, with this person and generally wondering why it's so prevalent. And she said to me, 
oh yes, it's very common. It's called the just world hypothesis or the just world fallacy. So I'm thinking, hold on a second, I haven't heard of this before. So of course, the first thing I did after my conversation was some research. And it's so fascinating that I want to share it with you. Basically, the just world hypothesis or fallacy is the cognitive bias that assumes people will get what they deserve. The actions that a person does or doesn't do will have moral consequences fitting to such action or non-action. As humans, we tend to expect the universe to deliver rewards for good acts and dish out consequences for bad acts. We believe in this concept of cosmic justice. So why would we have this cognitive bias towards what goes around comes around? Before I answer that, I'm going to introduce a name here, a pioneer in the psychological study of justice, Melvin J. Lerner. Now, Lerner is a social psychologist who studies justice beliefs and the just world hypothesis. So in the 60s, he and his colleagues conducted a series of experiments to examine observer responses to victimization. Essentially, participants observed what they thought was a person getting electrical shocks for their errors on a learning task. As the supposed shocks increased and the suffering worsened, the observers actually began to reject and devalue the would-be victim. And both the rejection and the devaluation increased when suffering increased. Now, they replicated this study many times and found the same results each time. So why in the world would observers, and by extension all of us, do this? Why would we blame the person getting the shocks? Lerner hypothesized that believing in a just world is crucial for us to maintain our own well-being. The problem is we're faced every day with evidence that butts up against that belief. The world is not just. We witness people suffering all the time without apparent cause or reason. What this does is threatens our inherent belief that cognitive bias in a just world. But as humans, threatening a belief is not something that we manage well. Our minds take it as a threat to our own well-being. So what do we do? We use different strategies to eliminate those threats to that belief. Essentially, to make it make sense when it doesn't make sense. We believe the world is just, so we look for reasons why something bad is happening, or if we can't find reasons, we may create some. Lerner says we do this with either rational or irrational strategies. Rational strategies would be maybe accepting the reality of injustice. This is sort of like radical acceptance that I've talked about before. Or we try to prevent the injustice from happening in the first place. Or we provide restitution for the injustice. Now, irrational strategies would be things like denying the injustice, or withdrawal, or perhaps reinterpretation of the unjust event. Now that last one jumped out at me. Reinterpretation of the event. What does that mean? 
Lerner continues that in order to reinterpret the event, you can reinterpret the outcome, the cause, and or the character of the victim. Does that last one ring any bells for you? In other words, victim blaming. Any of us who have been victims of domestic abuse, domestic violence, narcissistic abuse, coercive control, know all too well what victim blaming is. And what I found fascinating is that it may be rooted in this just world fallacy. When someone hears a story about how an abuser victimized their partner and children, it sounds so unfair, unjust, and without cause. So their human minds may irrationally manage this evidence that threatens their belief with a reinterpretation of the event. And honestly, it's not just third parties that victim blame, is it? As victims, we've even blamed ourselves for bringing on the abuse because believing that we did nothing to deserve it, but were subjected to it anyway, threatens our own well-being because it threatens our cognitive bias to a just world. Think of all the ways we've seen these irrational strategies at play. Maybe we don't believe the survivor. That would be denial. Maybe we block out what they're saying and pretend we didn't hear it, head in the sand kind of thing. That would be withdrawal. Or maybe we tell ourselves stories about the reasons why that person was victimized, like the short skirt she was wearing, or the fact that she didn't leave after he hit her the first time. That would be reinterpretation of the event. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this absolutely fascinating. The fact that we, as humans, may have a cognitive bias towards a just and fair world that we protect by using rational or irrational strategies to create evidence to support that bias makes so much sense. How often have you said to yourself, I just don't get it. Why me? I didn't do anything to deserve this. Or maybe, how can they do this? These are their children. It's so unfair. We're trying to make sense of something that makes no sense. We believe there's this contract we as humans have with the world. And if we're good, good things will happen. So when bad things happen to us, it threatens that belief. So if we apply what Lerner theorizes a rational way to deal with this could be to accept the reality of injustice, or put another way, radically accept that life is simply not fair. The world is not just. And the beauty of this strategy is it opens up real estate in our mind to consider and act on other rational strategies, like working to prevent the injustice or perhaps even rectifying it if that's possible. When we apply it to domestic and post-separation abuse, we can decide to accept that there are abusive, cruel people in the world, and it's possible for anyone to be victimized by them. But we also know that we get to learn from those experiences. We do research and educate people to help prevent future injustices, and we work to find ways to provide restitution to the victims. Conversely, someone who continually has their mind spinning on a broken record of, but it's not fair, won't be able to take part in these rational strategies. It's like they're stuck in first gear. 
And honestly, what a desperate and hopeless place to stay. So how does knowing about the just world fallacy help us? Well, the first step to any change is awareness. So knowing that we're naturally inclined as humans to believing that the world is supposed to be fair brings that awareness to something that could be causing us additional and unnecessary pain because this cognitive bias pushes against reality. And frankly, reality is one of the silliest things to push against. Yes, we make choices and we make mistakes. Yes, bad things can happen as a result of our choices, but we get to learn from those mistakes. We consider the role we played in negative events, which, by the way, is not the same thing as attaching blame or any notion of having deserved it. We can then consider alternate choices for next time. But the world is inherently unfair. So it's time, especially as survivors of abuse and people going through high-conflict divorces, that we remember that. No, it's not our fault. No, we didn't deserve it. No, we didn't cause it. Yes, they should pay child support or not spend the support money you send on beer. Yes, they should want to spend time with their kids and not blow them off for their new partner. Yes, what they're doing is abusive to the children and the kids don't deserve to be subjected to it. But it all just is. So rather than spending our energy on thinking about how unfair it is, it's time to bring our awareness to our inclination to get sucked into that just world fallacy. Accept that the world is unfair and unjust in many ways, then spend our energy on how we can prevent future injustices and maybe rectify the ones already done. The key takeaway here is that in order to be healthy parents, we need to accept that reality for us and our kids is as it is in this moment. And despite all the injustice, past and present and future potential, do the best we can anyway for ourselves, our kids, our community, and our world. Life may not be fair, but I think we can all agree it's worth living anyway. So let's get on with it. And don't let this cognitive bias keep us stuck and from taking the steps we need in order to build a healthy, safe life. Because healthy mums raise healthy kids. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review. And if you like what you heard, share this episode with other mums. Don't forget to follow me on social media. And if you want to learn more about me and what else I have to offer, head over to healthymomafterdivorce.com. And while you're there, why not grab your copy of my free guide, Take Your Power Back, Four Ways to Feel in Control Through Your High Conflict Divorce one foot in front of the other healthy mama. You got this. I promise.